eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Thiefstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. So what better time to talk Miami Dolphins football? Welcome into Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh Show. I'm Jake Mendel. Joining me is Josh Houts. And before I even introduce Josh, everyone is going to say they don't want to hear this, but the statistics say otherwise. Joshua Houts, we are going to do a Tua talk. How you doing today? I'm doing great, Jake. I mean, I told you I took the family to the beach, unexpected Ocean City, Maryland trip. Hot as balls there, but now I'm back home. It's raining 50 degrees. Got the beanie on because it's cold. But like you said, man, lots to talk about, especially with our quarterback, Tua. And I'm excited to talk about Tua because, let's be honest, uh, that's all anybody's been talking about since that press conference. It is incredible because for being the exact wrong part of the season, I mean, people are usually the most upset. Uh, So, Josh, I think the best way to start this conversation, because, you know, we've said it before, OTAs are underway. So I think the Dolphins have close to roughly 70 players uh, showing up to participate so i mean you got to talk to these guys you get to fill them out uh feel them out a little bit and the miami dolphins do a really good job of they, they transcribe every single interview they uh the players the coaches do so we can kind of go back and look at them a little bit and before we even talk about what tua said and i know everyone wants to do that i think we should talk about mike Kosicki. 
I think he had some comments that that were very interesting. And on top of that, I mean, I think you just kind of see him developing from a uh, a wide-eyed rookie into a confident third-year player. So let, let's start there. Uh, Gasecki, I'm not going to go into, you know, him. He, he straight up started defending Tua, you know, saying he received a lot of bad press, yada, yada, yada. And that's just kind of every franchise quarterback is going to do that. And on top of that, if everyone's like, yeah, you know, Mike really has Tua's back. I mean, every single tight end in the NFL is going to have uh, their quarterbacks back. Maybe because it's 100% true. Maybe it's because they want more targets. It doesn't really matter. It's the middle of May. It's good to hear. But at the end of the day, it's not going to win you football games, right? It's kind of one of those uh, feel-good moments, but you're going to forget about it in a week. Yeah, I mean, he definitely wants the targets, right? Because he even joked that the Dolphins now have a five tight end set and that the <laughs> tight ends were pitching in cash to pay the offensive coordinators. But, uh, Jake, you know, Mike Gesicki, I said he was one of us. It almost felt like he was a fan. You know, he was sick of hearing all that outside noise, and he was going to bat for his quarterback. I have the quotes here. I admittedly was sitting there with my shoes on the beach with the phone propped up trying to listen <laughs> on this press conference. But he said, you know, Gesicki on to it. It says he's got the beard going on now, a little more hair on top. I see some confidence, but that's natural. He's dealt with adversity. Fought back from that. He's also dealt with people saying stupid, uneducated stuff about him. I'm happy he's our quarterback. He then went on to continue. He came in here. People were calling for him to start. He played nine games, stepped up in big situations, made plays, and got better every week. Now everyone is talking about him negatively. He's working hard and investing lots of time into this season. I'm excited about his future. So, um, you know, you would really not want your tight end to say anything more about your young quarterback, to be completely honest. You know, for me, these quotes say more about Gasecki than it does Tua. Because I, you know, seeing it's crazy to think that two years ago, uh, Mike Jasicki had 22 receptions for 202 yards and no touchdowns, right? This does not sound like a tight end who is trying to make his way in the NFL. This is a guy who understands how talented he is and understands what he is capable at the NFL level. And I think he realizes that his voice is powerful now that he's becoming one of the veterans. I have written down here that year one to year two is about growth, right? We hear that about Tua all the time, that that big jump from year one to year two is about, you know, the game slows down. I understand the playbook. I even read the playbook, you know, <laughs> if you're Tua. But then you go from sophomore year to junior year, like like uh, Gasecki is doing. And year two into year three is about consistency. It's about understanding you know what you're capable of. You've done it at the NFL level. Last year, you know, 53 receptions, 703 yards, and six touchdowns. His sophomore season, 51 receptions, 570 yards, and five touchdowns. Obviously, you can look at the 100-yard difference that he had from his sophomore year to his junior year, but that is a sign of consistency. You go from five touchdowns to six touchdowns, obviously it's more, but you see him develop into that capable threat the Dolphins are. So I think that's a really interesting way to look at how he's grown as a player as he enters his fourth year. And I'm going to call myself out. I think I said he's entering his third year like three times. Uh, pandemic year, it messes up everyone. So I'm going to use that as my excuse to why I messed that up. But my apologies. Uh, but you do. we saw that last year from Gasicki. Is that growth from uh, becoming a player of, oh, my God, he, he can go up and he can moss people. He can score touchdowns, too. He can keep doing it. This isn't a Jakeem Grant on, on Monday night against the Patriots. This is a week-in, week-out baller. Yeah, he's a talented player, and, you know, he's come a long way since Adam Gase had him blocking. Wasn't he, like, yes. the most utilized blocking tight end in the NFL? And the only thing he's very good at blocking is people on Twitter, to be completely <laughs> honest. But um, you saw the growth from year to year, and, um, again, I'm just – 
I think you touched on it most. You know, with all those veterans, you know, the Van Noys leaving, Fitzpatrick leaving, all these other guys, you needed someone to step up in this locker room. You need these guys that have been here for a few years now. You know, this is Mike Gesicki's team in a sense. You know, there are a lot of young players on this roster. So to hear him say that again, to go up to bat for Tua Tungvaloa and to basically say, you know, F all that nonsense. You know, he's putting in the work and with that season behind him, he's going to be better. So uh, this was the perfect uh, Amuse Bush or the the appetizer before the Tua Tungvaloa press conference because Mike Gesicki. He got us all hyped up for this. You're you're 100 right, and and I really had the revelation of that every quarterback just features a war zone of takes. No matter what is said, no matter what happens, there's going to be people, you know freaking out on one side and freaking out at the other. And then most of the time, I don't want to say I'm in the middle, but most of the time I'm sitting here trying to figure out what it really means instead of just getting super upset about, you know, one thing that was said or wasn't said. Um, And I don't want to like go into detail about the whole Gusecki interview, but man, some of the questions are just really, really tough that these guys are asked. And I don't mean tough, like, oh man, I got to sit here. This is like an interview at a Fortune 500 company. He was These getting were mad. <laughs> stupid questions that were being asked. I could not believe it. I am more confident that everyone who writes at the Finsider would ask better questions than that what were being delivered here. So I don't want to go too far into that. But uh, the moral of the story with Gasecki is he is sounding confident. He is sounding like a leader. He is sounding like someone who knows what he is capable of and is ready for a big payday. And that, that's pretty much all we can say about him. He's definitely ready for a big payday. You know, it, again, I think it speaks to the confidence that he does have into it because a lot of us, and myself included, thought maybe he was one of those players that spoke out and, you know, kind of leaned towards Fitzpatrick right, yeah. and wondered why maybe they benched him. So, uh, again, you you love to hear this, and I think to your point, Jake, I mean, I'd be shaking in my boots if I ever got a chance to ask a question. I sure as hell would not be trying to make a big tight end like Micah Sick. He was a six foot five, six six, trying to make him upset by trying to pick and pry something out of him. So um, I, I guess that's their job, but you, you want to see better from some of those b writers everyone feels good in the offseason you're not going to get anyone if they're at OTAs they're not going to be like I'm pissed right they're here they're with their teammates they're not losing so everyone feels good everyone's excited uh hope has everyone feeling real good so to go back to the statistics here um I think the biggest takeaway uh that fans had at least for this is Tua saying he didn't really know the playbook right The first thing I'm going to say, and people are going to be like, oh, the Tua apologist. I'm going to hit it with a spin zone. He went six games without throwing an interception, without knowing the playbook. That in itself is a little mind-boggling about how impressive that is, right? When you think about how, quote-unquote, clean he played in those first six games— Obviously, you know, we hoped he'd score more. We hoped we saw more games like the Cardinals. But I wonder how many games he could go without throwing an interception— if he did know the playbook, because his his first interception came against the Chiefs. It was throwing to Jakeem Grant. It was in double coverage. It was kind of like, Jakeem, I need you to help me out here. Um, there's there's pressure coming on me. We, we You need to make something happen because I don't see anything developing. And basically, Josh, the, the thing I want to highlight here, and I'll let you uh, uh, throw in your two cents before I talk about the receivers, but to a stats, just so we kind of have him front and center, he completed roughly 65% of his passes, uh, 1,814 yards, 11 touchdowns, and, and five interceptions. Yeah, Jake, and to your point, you know, he won six games as a starter, and I have a quote here from Tom Brady who actually said, midway through the year, I was still trying to figure out how to call the plays. I just read the plays off my wristband and tried to visualize what I was going, what was going to happen. It's like learning a completely new language. You've spoken English for 20 years, and someone goes, hey, man, let's speak some Spanish. And you're like, huh? That makes no sense to my brain. Okay. So let me just say this. If Tom Brady 
is saying this midway through the season when he took the Tampa Bay Bucks to the freaking Super Bowl. What do you think Tua Tungvaloa was going through with the rehabbing, with all that stuff? And Jake, uh, you know, it's getting me a little heated because how much this offseason do we continue to hear that there were not two playbooks in place when basically they admitted that there were two playbooks in place? Maybe it wasn't hampering Tua in the way that fans like myself thought, but they were clearly two playbooks because they didn't trust in what Tua Tungvalo could do. And to Tua's point, he w- wasn't prepared enough. So, um, you know, it Tua was didn't definitely— trust what he could do. He right. even said and he was a little uh, scared, right. and that's why everyone from, from Lynn Bowden to Brian Flores is saying, dude, you got to be more confident. We know what you're capable of. Yeah, so again, to say that there were two offenses, I mean, they're clearly saying there were two offenses. One for, obviously, a veteran who, again, he knew that playbook like the back of his hand, and then one for a guy who was rehabbing, trying to get healthy and still trying to catch up, which, again, like Tom Brady said, is hard as hell in the season they had. So, um, you know, I, again, maybe we're sitting here making excuses and, you know, maybe hearing that a lot of fans were a little upset by that. But to me, I just think I take a step back, and again, I realize that it was an unprecedented year, all the stuff he was going through. And when you hear that and you sit there and say, oh, he struggled to learn a playbook, well, it's like, no shit, of course he did with everything he was going through, you know, but, you know, some fans want to pile on this and say, you know, well, Justin Herbert learned the playbook. Who knows what the difference was in that, you know, and who knows the different situations those guys went through. So um, I, I think that was uh, blown out of proportion a lot worse than it should have been. Justin Herbert was in the offense that the Dolphins were running in 2019, right, where your defense is going to give up a bunch of points and you just got to go out there and sling it, find the open guy. And if you make a bad throw, that that's, you know, who cares? But you're and gonna then the lose Dolphins, games. Exactly, <laughs> you're gonna anyway. lose games. Brian Flores, since the day he got here, said, "We don't care about growth. We care about one thing, and that's winning football games." And the, again, you know, it sounds like a excuses. So we're gonna wrap this up here um, in just a second. But the the Miami Dolphins had the the fourth best offense in the league. They were allowing 21 points a game last year. You don't need Tua to go out and, and try to get you 30 points, right? You need him to not throw those interceptions. You need him to not look like Justin Herbert did against the Dolphins. Literally after that week, Keenan Allen was saying, this playbook is so basic. All our plays are so obvious. And the Dolphins were like laughing at us that they knew everything that was coming. So it's important to keep that perspective of maybe there, not maybe, there was definitely a huge uh, hill in growth that Tua needed to take. We're definitely not comparing him to Tom Brady. And the last little note I have here, Josh, um, we heard players like Najee Harris saying, you know, the terminology we used at the college level is like what I'm hearing at the NFL level, right? We heard, uh, you know, they run a college or a NFL level offense. I think this just still goes to show that while you might pick up on some words and that might give you some sort of an advantage, I mean, if Tom Brady doesn't understand an offense, I, I think it, it's enough to say that this isn't something we can gloss over and have it be like the, the fifth reason why someone's bad. And I'm not saying it should be the first, but but it needs to be taken into consideration. Yeah, and to that point, I think that quote came from the Senior Bowl. And again, I think the offense was a little bit much more simplified. And maybe that's where that comment kind of got blown out of proportion. But um, you're absolutely right, Jake. And let's just see the way he goes out there. And I mean, we see it all offseason long. I mean, the only thing that you can ask it to right now is to put in the work. You know, he didn't go home to Hawaii. You know, he stayed in Miami. He he realizes his mistakes. And, you know, maybe that's uh, that to me is the biggest thing, you know, um, about his growth. Is, you know, see people, some fan base want to see Tua fail, whatever. I mean, I can understand that because of, uh, again, the hype that we had surrounding him but to just think that this guy is trying to get better he realizes the mistakes he made he realizes what he needs to do in his second season and he's doing all those things so I think Dolphin fans should be excited and Jake I think um, maybe that's enough out of us we should jump into a break and we you know hop back in finish up on the Tua Valoa talk I'm looking forward to it man let's do it today's episode is brought to you by cars.com 
With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Josh, when when I um when I was in college, I worked at a variety store called Palmer's Variety here in uh here in Western Massachusetts. And the that doesn't matter whatsoever, but what does matter is we had a magazine rack. And and it might sound crazy, and there's gonna be older fans who are gonna laugh at what I'm about to say, but when I was working there at 2013 and absorbing content to now in 2021 it's changed a lot. Like it's, it's like, Oh, it's only been eight years. Twitter was around then. But I remember reading through every single fantasy magazine because that content was still only in these magazines. And I remember reaching out to these writers, DMing them saying like, Hey, like I'm a big dolphins nerd X, Y, and Z. This is what's really happening. And the reason I'm saying this is because there was a Ryan Tannehill cover. The dolphins added Mike Wallace and Brandon Gibson. And and the dolphins are going to take this huge leap Tannehill got his feet wet in the first season and there was hope. You add the weapons. That sounds like what the Dolphins are doing right now. And Tua's second year, obviously you're going to hear some doom and gloom from one side of the fan base. But generally speaking, as fans, you expect that jump from year one to year two. And, you know, I think about the addition of Mike Wallace. And I think about the addition of Brandon Gibson, who, while there was drama, I thought Gibson played pretty well. Uh, But the reason I'm talking about this is because... What the Dolphins did this offseason, and it could be recency bias, but based on their track records, the Dolphins' improvements on offense from Tannehill's first year to second year and Tua's, in terms of the receiver additions, I think that this year blew the Dolphins in 2013 out of the water. When you think about they, what they did, their offensive revamping, uh, you got Charles Clay breaking out a little bit. Uh, Mike Wallace, Brandon Gibson, and he signed Brian Hartline to a new deal. I mean, none of these guys scored a boatload of touchdowns, right? Brian Hartline, I think, uh, you know, you think about that game in Arizona where he had 200 and something yards. I think he had one touchdown max in that game, maybe even done. So, I mean, we, I think, overhyped those guys. So, Josh, I have it written here. Let's go through the receivers that the Dolphins had last year that Tua was throwing to who received the majority of snaps and and how that's going to change entering this year because we've uh, talked about it till we're blue in the face. This receiving uh, group is going to look so much different next year. Yeah, and Jake, before we start listing them off, I do want to throw out a quote. I think during this press conference, Tua even went out of his way to say those receivers last year were phenomenal. He used those words phenomenal. So, um, I mean, we looked at it. We saw those receivers. They were absolutely not phenomenal. But he had this conversation to say about the receiving quarterback. Well, I don't think you can talk about Jalen and Will without the entire group of receivers. I think when you look at all of the guys that we have, we have a variety. We have guys that can make catches in double coverage, guys that can catch the ball in a swing route and make a man miss, guys that can just flat out outrun guys and just have to throw it to them and get it to them. I'm very excited to see what we have this time to go full speed. But to your question, you can't talk about one of them without talking about the entire group. So Tua sounds like he's excited about that arsenal of weapons. But again, until they go out there, until they get that chemistry down, which was truly, you know, the biggest, I guess the biggest hurdle they had to overcome was that chemistry they didn't have with his receivers right. last year. And that's why he wasn't trusting his eyes and not trying to find those um, holes in the defense that really aren't there in the NFL game. So um, I'm excited to see how that transitions from year one and year two, especially with having, um, you know, another year under his belt with some of these receivers. 
Exactly, and the, there's a new layer to the depth that's happening. I mean, we mentioned Jakeem Grant, the Dolphins, or Tua was throwing to him on that interception. There were a couple other plays that Jakeem, you know, balls bounced off his hands. But it, again, we're going to point out the, the fact that Tua missed throws. That we are not saying that, but I mean, we think about these plays more because a quarterback is going to complete 65% of their passes. Maybe, a, you know, a little higher, 70, 80, but that still means 20% are misses. And some of those are the quarterback's fault, and you don't need to be a you know a rocket surgeon to really figure that one out. Um, so I also want to bring up, you know, we had Isaiah Ford played more than 50% of snaps in six games for the Dolphins last year, including the last three, after he was yo-yoed to New England, right? We, we talk about these guys who were there, the Mac Hollins and everything, but man, Isaiah Ford, this, this was a guy who had to play big snaps, and I think he had one strong game, but overall, I mean, it's tough when you have these guys out here who aren't even on the team for the entire year. Yeah, and I probably cried so many tears over the years for <laughs> Isaiah Ford being moved from the practice squad back to the active roster, and I, I don't even know what to say. I feel like I should hide my head in shame because, I mean, you know, you're pushing for the playoffs, and you got Isaiah Ford playing 50% of the snaps, and again, nothing against him. I mean, I think the coaches have raved and said, you know, this is one of the smartest receivers we've ever coached, but, uh, you know, that's just not the talent that Tua needed down the stretch in any sense of the imagination. You're 100% right. And then you think about there's the, again, the transitions during the season at the uh, receiving group. Preston Williams played at least 57% of snaps in every game before he was injured in week eight. Not only did we see that chemistry between Tua and Preston, but I think Williams is going to be the biggest wild card on this entire offense. Um, obviously, I think Will Fuller is going to be just fine. Uh, Jalen Waddle, probably some rookie hiccups here and there, but he's going to be just fine. But, you know, I just mentioned Brandon Gibson. And I think he he was when he was healthy, he was pretty good for the Dolphins. I mean, I was there at that game when he broke his leg, uh, jumping up for a catch. And I think it was in the red zone where where he got injured. The reason I think someone like him had so much success is because you still had the quote unquote Mike Wallace to take the top off. I'm really interested to see what someone like Williams can do when you have those take the top off guys. You can even have two of them on the field at the same time at this point. So. I think kind of like Gasecki, what happened last year in developing that consistency in his third year, this is the third year for Preston Williams, and I, I think this is going to be the big focus for him. He's going to have no excuses. He's not going to be double covered. I think he could put it all together this year and be that Tua target that gets paid by the Dolphins because, you know, we see the Mike Wallace's go other places. We see free agent wide receivers, the Kenny Galladay's go elsewhere and get paid. But the good receiver, the the top tier, excuse me, the top five, top 10, we see them sticking with one team, the Devontae Adams, the Michael Thomas. They get paid by that homegrown team. Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker. There it is. I like it. I I could see Preston Williams being that next guy in the sense of him and Tua have the serious connection. This offense works so well for them. Obviously, it's about putting the pieces together, but I th- I think I like him the most is that maybe fantasy target that, that Tua just loves, and he comes through for him every time. Again, Parker, awesome. These The speed guys are going to be good, but in terms of that quote-unquote star who is that true number one, I, I can see um, Williams becoming that guy. Yeah, he definitely fits that mold, you know, as far as the height, you know, this ability to go up and catch the football in coverage. And, you, I mean, I can't stop looking at that Arizona game, Jake. I mean, it was a four or five targets, 60 yards, the touchdown. Uh, you know, we know what happened after that, the celebration. We can sit here and speculate on, on what happened there. But to me, again, it's the biggest thing with Preston Williams. Is he just needs to stay healthy. You mentioned finally having a guy that could take off, top off of, um, a defense. You don't think that Jakeem Grant could do that? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. But, um, you know, Preston Williams being the biggest wild card, I'd have to throw Lynn Bowden's name out there because to yep. me, I think, you know, again, um, we saw the chemistry with Preston Williams, but I also think we saw it there with Lynn Bowden. And again, I think that he has that 
versatile skill set, you know, that, like a Jalen Water. You know, he almost has that skill set that, you know, is just a little bit different and, you know, is a little more right. explosive than what we've seen in the past. So uh, I'm excited because I do think that this Dolphins offense, they have a blueprint and they know they knew what pieces they needed. And, you know, they finally got them all together to it finally has his arsenal. Now he has to go down, go out there and make it work because, you know, if we're sitting here talking about him not understanding the playbook or we're sitting about him getting pulled uh, for Joe Jacoby Brissett in like critical games this year, you know, at, at that point, we're all going to be having to take a step back and the Dolphins are going to have to start looking at some of those other avenues to fill that quarterback spot because, you know, at that point, you know, it'd be a, it'd be very sad, but we're not even going to get into that because to a tongue of a low, we trust in him and, and good things are coming this year. Yeah, and I just thought this would be interesting to bring up the receivers because it was like that transition from 2012 to 2013. And, you know, everyone kind of brought up the idea of, you know, Tua is going to need another year to, you know, uh, really understand the offense and things like that. But developing chemistry with your receivers is arguably just as important as actually knowing the uh, playbook, knowing where a guy's going to be when he sees a certain coverage, just kind of knowing how somebody runs, how somebody acts. So the last player I want to bring up here is Matt Collins. Uh, Dolphins re-signed into a one-year deal this offseason. And he played at least 20% of snaps in five games last year, Josh. That included 96% of snaps in Week 16. Do you see Mac Hollins in terms of the 20% of snaps um, in those five games? Do you see that number going up or down in terms of his usage on this offense? I'm thinking down. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm nothing against <laughs> Mac Hollins, but I think, you know, the, the main reason he was signed this year was for special teams. And if he does, you know, stick to the roster like we discussed, it's going to be because of what he does to that special teams. So I just like like it's it's kind of crazy to point out like like you think of Grant Ford and Hollins two three guys who had to play big parts of the offense last year and they're they're just really I mean for the sake of this argument I think they're going to be upgraded quite a bit this year so I, I I just thought that was kind of interesting to bring up that that I, not only two has been working with these guys but I mean it, it's going to look like a different offense. Can I ask you how many teams you think those players would have played for in the NFL, you know, besides the Dolphins? Do you think any other of these guys would have stuck on rosters? You know, Matt Collins didn't really see many targets at receiver with the Eagles and Jakeem Grant. I mean, he's he's been here since since day one. I, I think the and best Isaiah way Ford to look didn't at do this, anything in New England, right? He, he really didn't do anything. Exactly. I think the best way to look at this, I mean, you even go to Alan Hearns and uh, Albert Wilson. I mean, I thought the Dolphins might try to trade one of their receivers to kind of maybe eke up in the third round of the draft or something, move up a couple spots or whatever. I don't think they would have gotten anything for any of these guys. You know, I, I just think that, you know, the, the Dolphins got so desperate and, and the, the pandemic threw a wrench into things as well, where, I mean, it, it was just a, a tough situation. It was a, a tough group of receivers that, where uh, we could talk about how the separation percentage and, and all that stuff that goes way over my head. But, I mean, I just thought it was kind of cool to bring up the fact that uh, the, the Dolphins had to use a lot of different guys at a lot of different times, especially uh, Gasicki was dealing with the shoulder injury. Press, or, uh, Devontae Parker kind of dealt with stuff late, especially when he was getting hit a lot. So, I mean, I think when you look at this group and how much it's changed, I see that growth coming just based on the group the Dolphins have. Uh, let's go into it. Are you ready to get some Tua quotes going here? I, I know you mentioned one. Uh, ready, but let's do it. Tua was asked, in what ways would you say your rookie season was not up to your season? I know you've expressed that and said in the past. Uh, Tua said of his standards, I'd say in every aspect, getting to the line of scrimmage, getting that order of operation done, my cadence, pre-snap reads, post-snap reads, the whole shebang. Josh, he used the word shebang, and we'd rather complain about him not reading the playbook instead of jazzed up that he used the whole shebang. Uh, Tua went on to say, I felt I wasn't comfortable during my rookie year, so I was just working on a lot of those things to be better in year two. The thing about the Tua th uh, 
development is be is I was nose deep in, in Dolphins content for the Ryan Tannehill stuff, and it was mind boggling to some fans. Ryan Tannehill doesn't know who the Mike linebacker is. Ryan Tannehill doesn't know the teams in the AFC West. You know, kind of silly things like that. But when you hear other rookie quarterbacks like Tua, I mean, we've heard it about every team. But when you're a Dolphins fan, obviously you gravitate to Dolphins and you don't really care what other teams are doing. The rookie season is hard. You're catapulted into a, a situation that is brand new. I mean, yes, Alabama is probably as close as you're going to get, but it's still a whole new world for the Dolphins and, and their rookie quarterback. Brian Flores even mentioned whether it's uh, journalism, whether it's a plumber or a firefighter, you're going to feel more comfortable in year two. You're going to know where all the bathrooms are. You know, you're going to kind of have an idea of what's happening, and, and that's where that confidence really comes from. Tua added that he appreciates Gusecki's uh, defense, calling it appealing. But he's just been focused on improving. I mean, that's kind of where we get into the uh, quote-unquote, uh, you know, coach talk where players are just going to kind of say what they got to say and get out of there. Yeah, and I mean, none of this is unordinary, you know. It's not like Tua is doing, going above and beyond the expectations or doing things that no other player in the NFL is doing. I mean, it's, it's not like that at all, but he's, he's doing everything that we expect of him. And, you know, for as much as – I don't know, what is the biggest deal with this whole press conference? Was it the fact that Tua was so blunt, uh, you know – transparent with his struggles in his rookie year that the fan base is like oh man Tua, Tua is struggling you know he's a bust is that what it is or is it just fans just this time of the year getting way too overexcited about nothing it's it's the uh why not both like that what, what was, both? I forgot what that commercial is but 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 the little girl says why not both at the end there oh yeah the yeah the, the gif and that's exactly what it is because I mean it really is both, but again, I mean, what else do you want Tua to say? He admits he wasn't comfortable in year one, and again, I think we all expect a big jump in year two, and Tua's going to make sure that's, that happens, come hell or high water. And two, you think about last year, and you kind of got to think about how quotes develop over the time. Um, we could look at this as an excuse now, or, or honesty, but based on the fact he said the uh, quote about uh, not knowing the playbook, I'm going to lean that this one is also a little more uh, honest. You know, everyone was saying uh, Tua felt 100%. You know, he's going to play because he's healthy. You know, we wouldn't put him out there. Uh, he did say that his hip feels 10 times better than it did last year. And uh, towards his confidence level, he uh, feels really confident coming into his second year after that injury two years ago. It's like it's like learning how to walk again when you break a leg, right? You know, you, you got to re-figure out how to balance and, and eventually get confidence to start running and jumping and all that stuff. Um, I believe that he feels better, but I also believe he was healthy last year. I don't necessarily see this as an excuse, but he can, you know, lean on that hip, no pun intended, a little more than he could last year. Just, just fear and uh, repetition of favoring one hip or whatever it may be. Yeah, and he admitted he wasn't throwing as much with just arm, and I think we all admitted last year, you know, his arm strength wasn't exactly what we saw at Alabama. You know, his accuracy was a little off, and that, again, was all because of the hips. So let's see the way he makes that jump in year two. And, again, we it's funny because you see the fans, and I think there were a couple highlight videos that went out there, and, oh, man, that, that ball looked like a bad a, a bad ball from Tua. I mean, did you see that? It was a, a Jalen Waddle catch or Jakeem Grant on the sideline, and, and fans were, like, timing it. Like, uh, it was like a 55-yard, 55-mile per I, – I don't know. They were breaking it down, Charlie style like we always talk about but but who the hell cares i mean he's going out there ripping it and um, i, I mean, it was he's a, cool it, <laughs> like, it was Waddle made a nice and, catch who cares it's cool you, you know we, we got to talk about the hoodie too because you had your hoodie up i mean what do you think of this whole uh hoodie too because it's eventually we're go i mean week one it's hoodie versus hoodie i mean that's that's i'm i'm prepared to make a pretty 
badass Star Wars type uh, movie poster for that because I just feel like the hoodie versus hoodie on each side with them kind of looking, you know, you know what I'm saying. I, I like that so much. And I was actually going to say, I mean, everyone we recognize with hoodies, I mean, they're not bad. You know, Emperor Palpatine, I mean, he ruled the entire galaxy. Uh, Bill Belichick ruled the NFL, and, and I guess two is following in his footsteps. But hopefully um, it's it's down here in, in Florida in case the uh, – unless the fans, you know, chase him with their pitchforks and, you know, you can't read the playbook, so what are you doing here type of thing. We're not far but, off from we're not far off from that, Jake. But I mean, I, I want to know what your thoughts were. As, I mean, I don't even know if we have this in the rundown, but we heard, uh, you know, two is staying after and he's telling, you know, Jalen Waddle different ways to break out of this and that. And it goes back to, I remember last year, there was a bad snap in that one game and he chewed, I think it was Ted Karras. He chewed his ass out for that bad snap. Do you remember that? And it just yes. reminded me, I think I even posted like, I remember when Dan Marino did this or something and the fan base went up in arms, but you know, that's the vocal leadership that you want to hear from Tua. So again, you know, on the surface, we're hearing all the right things from camp and then he's going to be now here and speaking to the media and you know we're taking a step back because we're hearing you know i guess all the wrong things maybe in, in a sense but um I, I guess this is what we expect this time of the year the thing is too you think about the hoodie you think about the beard you think about him being maybe a little more honest about not knowing the playbook that's him being himself that is someone who is more comfortable in their oh. own skin compared to last year where you have to just kind of um like, like uh the quote here that i just was hitting on Tua said he's just focused on improving, right? That That's just the generic answer. But when you see the hoodie, when you see the swagger, the personality come out, that's how you know somebody's gaining confidence. It doesn't matter what Gusecki says. It doesn't matter what Brian Flores says. His The w way he carries himself kind of speaks volumes to me, and, and I think that's really important. And Tua was asked, why do your teammates see a higher level of comfort from you this season? Um, and he went back to it. It's about having that first year under your belt. Uh, I'll even, this is me, you know where the bathrooms are. I think that in itself is so important <laughs> about your rookie season. Um, he said that uh, going through the terminology of an NFL offense, he said it again, going through Mike linebacker points, understanding problems we have in certain plays. Uh, then also I've been working a lot on trying to voice my opinions out and kind of be very vocal as a leader towards the guys in the huddle and towards guys individually. That is somebody who's comfortable with himself. And, you know, we could argue that, you know, he's going to be the guy. He's not going to be the guy, yada, yada. We're going to see the truth this year. You know, they like we spent years talking about Tannehill excuses, but we got we knew what he was after that sophomore year. Somebody who can make plays, but he's not going to do it all the time. And, you know, we just didn't want to admit that. We stretched it for seven years. And even everyone in the organization, from Stephen Ross to Chris Greer, who's with the team, said that it was a mistake, right? You held on too long. This is going to be a good indication because this is truly a sophomore quarterback who feels like he belongs, who feels like he is can be himself and be that guy who is, who is so talented at Alabama. Yeah, and I mean, uh, for lack of a better word, you know, there's no more excuses. Last year, you know, as big Dolphin fans is – Big Tua supporter, you know, we can sit here and talk about the unprecedented also. We can talk about that rehabbing, but this year, you know, we can't. We don't have that anymore to lean back on. Tua needs to go out there, and he needs to show that, you know, it's he's that guy. This is his team, and, and he's the future quarterback here. Uh, Jake, we talked about it earlier. Yeah, he said about why he stayed in uh, or they stayed in Florida to work with his teammates, and he, I've heard that that is a, a very stupid-ass question. But Tua, um, he, when he, his answer was, his well, answer I like, was I, I, thought, like, I like Devontae Parker's wife's cooking, so, I mean, I just yeah. couldn't give that up and go back to Hawaii, so yeah. I, I got us placed on the street from him you know I, I i love the kfc at the corner for some reason they that chicken is just a little bit better than in hawaii that's why i stayed in south florida with my teammates it, it would have nothing to do with what's on the field
Yeah, you didn't want to go home and catch passes with your dad or, or throw to Devon, Devon Best down there. I mean, uh, but um, he said, I thought it was a very easy decision to stay here and train. I had the opportunity to kind of gather a group of guys, receivers, and gather some of the linemen as well to go over some cadences at the line of scrimmage. And it will sound like this year and kind of with the operation going at the line of scrimmage with the guys. I wouldn't be able to throw to my guys, too, if I was all the way in Hawaii. So we're working on timing and all of those things that you don't just wake up and do. So as Brian Flores would say, you don't just wake up and you're able to do this. You have to do it consistently and build a discipline to do it. So, again, it's, you know, it's just coach speak almost. It's exactly what you want to hear from a quarterback. But until you see it go out there and translate it on the field, I mean, is that not what ultimately matters, Jake, is how they go out there and how they can install this offense? Because that, to me, was also a pretty – eye-opening thing I think Omar Kelly said he's never seen uh practices kind of like what he's seeing it in Davy right now with the way they're installing an offense and just different systems and you know I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing I mean I, I think we can trust Flores at this point for what he's done uh but Josh I mean that that quote you just said is so concerning you're telling me that Tua can't throw from Hawaii to South Florida that must be the weakest arm in the NFL it, it, definitely noodle arm that's that Chad Pennington arm <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, at the end of the day, like these are the conversations we're going to have for the next two months. And, and people are going to get you know frustrated talking about homerism or we're talking too much about Tua. But I mean, everything we read on Twitter, everything, uh, you know, our statistics say in terms of what people want to hear about and, and read about, it is their quarterback. You know, it is these cliche little things. And it, I think we're being... Um, I, again, it's easy for us to say this sitting in this chair, but I think relatively fair in terms of the, the criticisms and, and the idea of how this receiving core might look a little different and, and how it's going to be a bit refreshing because, you know, the playbook that was built for the team last year, I mean, it doesn't matter anymore. If, if we're using that playbook with the retooled guys we have, that is a huge issue. Just like I wouldn't use the playbook the Dolphins are going to have this year for the team last year, right? It's it's understanding these things and building that team the, the right way, I guess I should say. It's a testament to what they're building here, Jake. And again, we just got to sit back, relax, and trust the process because, you know, we all could see there with our eyes. Two wasn't the same two he was in Tuscaloosa last year. Let's just believe in what they're bringing to the table here. And you're right, that offense last year, nobody gives a damn about that. It's a whole new offense, like they said. He needs to take it under his belt, and I think he is. And, you know, we sit here and we come off as homers, but no one's sitting here saying for one second that Tua had a perfect rookie season. No one's sitting here and saying that he doesn't have things to improve on because we've laid down a list of things that he needs to improve on. He knows what he needs to improve on. And, um, uh, again, I'm just super stoked because, you know, with every video that comes out, he's looking jacked and got the hoodie up, and it just seems like a different Tua Tungvaluwa. And I think, you know, when he gets out there with all these new weapons and just another year under his belt, he's going to go out there and cook like we've been talking about for, what, a whole year now? You know, I, I've tried to be a little uh, conservative in this show about, you know, not, not throwing the takes too wild. Um, I think the biggest thing from these uh, press conferences is the importance of growing that confidence from year two to year three and how year one to year two is about that improvement. I, I thought that was really interesting. And I I'm, I think Gusecki in his fourth year, man, he he definitely sounds like a leader on this team and and he has no problem doing that. I want to end with my hot take, though. You ready for this one? Uh-oh. I was listening to the Fantasy Footballers podcast, and it's not like that show's a big, deep secret of I'm going to get these sleepers from the show and nobody's going to know about it. It's a, it's a pretty successful show, and their content's pretty good. They brought up the fact that Miles Gaskin, he averaged the largest yards per reception among running backs at, at 10 yards per reception. So, Damn. Josh, I'm going to ask you this. Aaron Jones was linked to the Miami Dolphins before re-signing in Green Bay. I'm going to say that behind Aaron Jones, 
out of every option available, whether it's the draft or free agency, Miles Gaskin, for what the Dolphins are going to try to do over the next year or two, is the best fit of all of them for this offense. I just said that. I bashed that guy so much. I've said his ceiling is what it is. But, I mean, I think that what the Dolphins are focusing on is that skill set, is figuring out that offense that works best for Tua. And and hearing that stat, it kind of blew me away because that made me eat my words a little bit, that this guy was such a strong receiver. And, you know, we talk about how the Dolphins needed a guy to make that they're focused on getting guys to make people miss one-on-one 10 yards of reception. That's making guys miss one-on-one. Yeah, that's, that's a great stat. And I mean, I think again, we talked about all season, man. I think the dolphins love miles Gaskin and what he brings to the table. And I don't know what they were doing with the whole Aaron Jones thing. Cause I mean, you, you look at the height and I, I didn't want to tweet it out. I think I might even wrote it in an article, but when you look at the similarities between, uh, you know, miles Gaskin and Aaron Jones, you know, besides the production and stuff, just the player themselves, it's not too far off. So Jake, how much of that though was, um, skewed based on that check down in that Vegas game, because that had to have skewed those numbers a little bit. Right. Oh, it, it, they're 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 sure. out about it. But I mean, I always do have to say again, going back to a little bit, Gaskin was consistent. Like that's the one thing we said from from day one that he is very consistent. And maybe if you'd rather, you, you I think you'd pick the consistency and the ten yards uh, per reception over you know twelve yards or reception, but you're gonna drop five percent more balls, right? Just just for the sake of moving the offense down the field. So I mean, shout out Gaskin. I I, I think he might, like I said about Preston Williams, I think that might be another guy who. Uh, is quietly going to have a, a very strong third year. Yeah, I think. And, I mean, it's it's his year to truly grasp that role and prove that, you know, this is why you pass on Javante Williams. This is why, you know, you didn't trade up for Najee Harris because you had your running back right here. Jake, you threw out a hot take, so I guess i got to throw something out there. It's probably not even much of a hot take, but I think Jalen Phillips will have double-digit sacks this year and he'll be Defensive Player of the Year. So I don't know how, how true I feel. I, like, I don't know that I'm going to sit here and, and bet, uh, put my uh, mortgage in my house on it, but um, we're throwing hot takes out here at what? May 29th. I don't even know what month we're in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we're throwing hot takes out at the end of May. Okay. So th- th- this is what we got. I honestly, you know, I, I would have, I, I'm going to, I'm going to. I won't have two hot takes hot there, take I think, right? With, <laughs> I, think we'll with, two there. I think if it's going to be any defensive end, I think it's going to be Emmanuel Agba just for the sake of it's, he's going into the last year of his contract, AKA that's when players are the most motivated, AKA Mike Kosicki this year. Um, I think he's going to have all the chances in the world with someone like Jalen Phillips coming in with capable pass rushers around him. I I think that dude could, could easily uh, go on a run like he did at the beginning of the year and make it last an entire season. Maybe not like breaking sack records and things like that, but someone who's going to get to the quarterback over and over um, and then get that because he's looking at that big payday and, and what the Dolphins ha- have given him the opportunity to do. I could see Agba kind of being that guy to uh, really blow away um, opponents on that defense. Yeah, and I'm, I'm trying to remember what I said. I hope I said defensive rookie of the year, not player of the oh, year. Oh, you said player. You said oh, shit. Player. Okay, yeah. Whoa, okay, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. We, we should probably end it right there. <laughs> yep, Damn. we're going we're gonna to say it's 1.46 p.m. We're going to say it's 1.46 a.m. We're half asleep, and Josh said that out of pure tiredness, but he's going to stick to it, and I'm going to make sure he uh, remembers that he said that for the whole year. Um, and he's going to have a quote there. How it's, uh, Jalen Phillips going to have double-digit attack and went defense for the year, and I'm going to have to, like, Come on, man. <laughs> one of those, we're gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take one of those photoshops you've done of yourself where you put yourself on, on Tua or Ryan Tannehill, whatever you do, and then I'm just going to make it like some some big like some sunset or something in the background and just have a quote bubble Jalen Phillips defensive player of the year. If you guys would like to yell at Houts for that 
incredible hot take. You can follow him on Twitter at H-O-U-T-Z. He's shaking his head because he knows he's doomed. <laughs> we barely say anything bad, and we already get some guff. So the, he's doomed on this one. I can be found at Twitter, uh, jmendel94. I've been trying to do a better job of sharing some quotes or uh Nuggets I find interesting. Uh, today on the Finsider, I wrote a story about how Brian Flores learned um, how to kind of work his defense partially from Bill O'Brien while they were in New England together. And um, I, I was tweeting about the whole shebang word uh, for a couple hours the other day. So you can find that stuff. And guys, you know, our shows have been doing pretty damn good for late May lately. So thank you guys so much for listening. Um, if you want to keep continuing this ride with us, I promise we're even funnier. Uh, maybe we're, we're, we're a little bit. We're okay during the regular season, too. So if you're listening to us in the offseason, I, I think you should stick around. Uh, hit that subscribe button. You'll know exactly when a new show comes. We try to get two shows a week, something uh, like that, just to kind of, you know, it's the off season, but it's Dolphins football. Clearly, people want to talk about it. Clearly, we want to talk about it. And if you enjoyed the show, why not leave us a review? That stuff helps us so much. And who knows, we might be doing another giveaway uh, regarding reviews soon. So, so keep that in mind. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Josh, I know we are both a little... Uh, on the uh, low energy scale today, but but I think we muscled through, and, and it's always fun talking to you, especially when it involves um, drama, disaster, the franchise is ruined because Tua did not know the playbook as a freshman. Yeah, it's, it's overreact season, but like Jake said, I mean, thank you guys so much for listening. Hope everyone enjoys their Memorial Day weekend for the Finside Radio, the Jake and Josh Show. I'm Josh Houts. We'll talk to you next time. Fins up! Fins up! That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami